Winter is coming, but the world of sport, it's just heating up. And isn't it exciting to have your favorite generic friends here to talk it all out with you? So, the common men are back. And first cap off the ranks tonight, I'm going to introduce the half marathon man who's ready to kick it up a gear. Welcome, Forty. Thanks, Horse. It's uh, exciting to be here. And yes, got a half marathon this weekend. So, how's the, about. How's the prep going for it? Um, well, based on today's um, lunch meal, Friendy, uh, was a chicken snitchel with, uh, with a Coke. Not probably ideal preparation, but... Bit of protein, bit of sugar, yeah. energy. That's it. Had some salad. That's, that's good. I, I assume you meant Coca-Cola when you said with a Coke. Correct. With a line of Coke. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, but yeah. you know, not, I'm not here to judge. Hey, we need to get the next man in as well. It wouldn't be yes. a common man without the former mayor of Perth himself. Welcome friendy. Oh, g'day fellas. Well, I am so pumped for, for today's episode, tonight's episode, whenever you're listening to it, because there's so much in store, but I do want to boycott it just for, th- for 30 seconds for what I feel like we're due to wish our main man, the anchor of the show, Maddie Halstead, a very happy Big milestone. Ford, do you want to yes. tell the audience how old Horstead oh. turned this week? Oh, yeah. He turned a, just a lazy uh, 60. No, he 60. turned 40. I did. I did. 40. <laughs> if I don't like where this is going, I can just edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, happy remember birthday. That. Happy birthday, happy birthday Horse. Horse. You've, uh, you've made the milestone. Well Thanks, done. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey. And uh, before we go to Horse, um, I'm hoping Frenny's uh, going to bring his A game this time because nah, last time on, he was on. a little bit off. Yeah, was I was a bit intimidated what, by Mama Lynn in the house. Maybe I had my mum over from Perth, and um, look, she just threw me a little bit. Um, but I'm back. I'm back on. I'm ready. You're here. You're good to Beautiful. go. Okay. Well, time is ticking yeah, in the studio, and of course, as we pay by the minute, we don't want to waste a second. So let's get started. This month in sport. Welcome back to another this week slash month in sport. I've really got to settle on what I'm going to call it one day. I mean, it really doesn't matter. This week in sport, this month in sport. The point is, there's a lot of things that we want to talk about. They've been happening in sport. We're going to kick off with some AFL first off. Now, we are eight rounds down and things are starting to take shape. The Ds are undefeated. The Dogs, Port and Lions are hitting their stride. And then we have Richmond and Geelong, who it's still pretty hard to get a gauge on. But after last Friday's forward demolition by the Cats, 40, I'm going to ask you, is there a more potent forward line in the AFL than Geelong? Unequivocally, no. I said it last time and I'll say it again. Uh, The cream will rise to the top. You don't win premierships in April, but look, we gave Richmond a good old spanking horse. But you uh, win them in May. (laughs) <laughs> Correct, and uh, and uh, I think uh, it's a sign of things to come. Wait till Jezza starts training, and uh, yeah, you've got an unbelievable four line with Patrick Dangerfield also to come into that uh, space as well. When you add the likes of those, there's certainly no other uh, forward line that can compete, in my opinion. I think that's a valid opinion. Well, I'll throw to you in a second, though, Friendy, because you might have uh, some arguments there. I know you probably think your Eagles tall timber when up and firing is the best in the business. Um, I was going to point out there as well, Forty, your main man, Gary Rowan. I, I even heard his name being uh, band, bandied about in all Australian conversations this week. 
What do you think? Well, of let's that? just put it first. Uh, horse, he's not my main man. He's clearly <laughs> your main man. No, I wanted him out man. last year. <laughs> and he just did enough each week, didn't he? He just kicked one goal or he put one forward line tackle pressure and just did enough to keep his spot. But um, look, I have to own up. He is playing some good football so far. Hopefully, he can continue on when it counts. That's they the big they say he's the barometer of Geelong. Well, he's certainly got red head, so that, that fits one criteria. <laughs> right at the top there where it's nice and hot. Friendy, what do you think about this forward debacle conundrum? Yeah, Who's I there? Like, I, think, I think it was Matty Lloyd that said during the week that uh, the thing with Gary Rowan is that his good is very, very good, but his bad is very, very bad, and he kind of sways from one to the other. So hopefully he can put a consistent season together. Look, I think right now I, I – I put your Geelong forward line in front of West Coast just at the moment. We've got a couple of key small forwards to come back, which will make us very exciting. But do you know what? Do you know what's a bit scary as well? I just saw Josh Jenkins kick seven goals, five. He did in the VFL for you blokes. Like if one goes out, you've got someone ready to come straight in. Like it's it's a it's you guys have a luxury at the moment of forwards and Radaglier um, as well. He's in uh, played his first game for the oh, season. Big, he hit one of the Richmond guys huge. Oh, I love that, yeah. but. I, I do enjoy seeing Richmond get pumped. I think whenever there's a team like a Hawthorne or a Richmond who have won two, three flags, you kind of get sick and tired of it. So I'm yeah. kind of enjoying Richmond getting beat. So as much mm. as I don't want Geelong to win the whole thing, I was very happy how they played last week. Look, I did hear that sentiment from a few people who are not Geelong supporters, but have become anti-Richmond supporters over the journey over the last few years. Fun fact as well, that was Richmond's biggest loss since uh, 2019, round 12, when Geelong defeated them by 67 points. So there you go. There you the go. two biggest loss, losses in three years have been dished out by Geelong. We just couldn't do it on the big stage. Now, Absolutely. I was talking about the fact that we are eight rounds down. It also means that we're starting to have some of those top players that are having really great seasons just separate themselves a little bit from the pack. We're almost at the halfway mark, definitely at the third way mark, if that's a thing. Who do you think will be taking home the Brownlow this year, Friendy? Have you got someone who you think is just standing above the rest? I've got it down to two, and I'm going to... The only reason I'm going to pick one of these two is just because I like them better, but I actually do like both of them, but I just like one better if that makes sense. Mm. But I've got it down to the Bont from the Bulldogs and Christian Petrarca from Melbourne. And I think I like the Bont better. I yep. just like him. I love the way he goes about it. I think he's a great leader. And he's just – he's. I feel like he is like um, – oh, gee, this is a massive call. But just because he's tall and a bit bigger, I feel like he's potentially going to be a better version of a Scott Pendlebury. Just so composed, um, so cool, calm. Now, Scotty Pendlebury is one of the all-time greats, but I think the Bont has he's heading in a way where he's going to overtake him as a better player long-term over his career. And I think there's one or two Brownlows in him. So I think this year is going to be the first one for him. So come on, the Bont. Good call. I, I have to say the Bont is up there for me as well. Petrarch has been uh, a little up and down. He's certainly hit his straps in the last few weeks. And the D's are winning a lot of games and he proved to be a good vote getter last year as well. So that's also a solid call. Uh, my Smokey, I'm going to throw out there, is uh, being a bit of a homer. 
Let's throw Cam Guthrie's name out there. Oh, jeez. Ah. And uh, horse, he's um, currently going at thirty-four bucks. So a cheeky little ten dollars yeah. will get three hundred forty oh, bucks. So there you go. Maybe we you have should to throw it out. I could retire on that, couldn't I? Mm. Look, I would agree. I would agree with both of you guys. I, there's something about Bond. You know, he just he's just so slick in uh, in the way he goes about his football. I think Petrarca's certainly um, been playing very well so far this year, but it's still early days. Uh, I think Melbourne personally are going to, even though they're playing well, I think they're going to start dropping off uh, towards the back half of the season. That's just me projecting that potentially might happen, but um, I think Bulldogs are there to stay. Uh, I think they're a top four side for sure, even though they had a little bit of a slip up in terms of they only just got over the line over Carlton on the weekend, mm. um, but um, they did enough to do what they had to get another, get a win, but um, a bit of a bit of a dark horse for me. Maybe Maxi Gorn, another Melbourne ruckman back from Jim Stein's era. Uh, we'll see if- maybe that'd be cool. Twenty years on, I think Steins he won it in '91. Uh, that's actually thirty years now, forty. I think the issue with Petrarca too is he's going to have. I think he's got more players in his team that are going to take votes away from him. Um, that's why I think the Bont. Whenever the Bulldogs win, there's just there's something about the bond that stands out. And he I does, think, yeah. like, as much as I hate to say it, I think your smoky horse with Guthrie is a pretty fair one because when Geelong win, he seems to always be top of the uh, top of the disposal possessions, you know. Um, and I think he's very he stands clean. out a little bit too. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think with Dangerfield out for the, for the next few weeks still, there's plenty of votes up for grabs in that team. It just depends on whether they're going to keep giving it to Jeremy Cameron for kicking five or six goals. Like Gary Rowan's going to get a couple of votes for the way he's been playing. Um, I, dare I say it, your best player is Tommy Hawkins, and he has yep. been for the past four years. Like, mm-hmm. surely umpires, give him a vote. Get Tommy Hawkins give, They don't give votes to forwards, as we say. They hate it, don't they? A midfielder's uh, award now, and it has been for yep. quite some time. Since the early 90s, probably was the last time I would suggest horse. Maybe a fact check later on. Uh, A non-midfielder. Well, I mean, that's it. You've had like Adam Goods winning it as a Ruckman, which is a midfield. Um, But uh, Ruckman's a bit left center, isn't it? In terms of being a fast runner, midfielder type player, rather than a big big man generally don't win uh, the award. Maybe in the 70s. When they'd rock up in like these big frilly suits and stuff like that. <laughs> Long, Bellas, Bellas, I've, got, I've, I've got another smoky for you. Now, oh, you yeah. said at the start, start of the show, Horse, that I'm the mayor of Perth and thank yep. you for that. But Basil's doing a, a fair job at the moment. But um, our crosstown rivals, the Fremantle Dockers, have an old school player by the name of David Mundy, mm. who is just going about business very nicely at the moment. And I would say... They haven't won a lot of games, but I reckon he's probably been polling, averaging two votes a game at the moment. So he could be already on 15, 16 votes wow. after rounds. And I just think, what's, you don't hear much of him. Over in Perth, he's like a god. So I just think, watch this space on David Mundy. Can someone just remind me during this year's Brownlow medal uh, at round eight to see what David Mundy is up to? Because if he's got 15 or 16 votes... Um, that's just ridiculous, Freddie. Come on. I was going to say, you know, he probably does stand out to the umpires as well, David Mundy, because he's, I think he's one of the only players going around yeah. who could actually um, rock a comb over with, if he just flipped the, 
the back of his hair over to the front. <laughs> like that, that hairline has been receding at such a rapid rate over the last couple of years. No offense, David, it's you, you're playing yeah. great football. Um, but I do think the umpires would notice him. Totally. I, I think um, on your point of David Mundy, in terms of Fremantle not winning many games, it's always hard in it for someone to win the Brownlow when their team's not winning. I mean, the last person that really gave it a good crack was Patrick Cripps two years ago. Gary Ablett um, was the last one to win it. Exactly. And you know, and um, he's, the Gold he Coast Suns. The goat. You have to be the greatest <laughs> exactly. player of all time to do that. Yeah. Exactly. And even so, I think Gold Coast, um, they weren't on the bottom. They were just outside of the eight. Um, maybe a fact check again for you later, <laughs> horse. <laughs> Yeah, Gold Coast actually finished 14th in 2013 when Gary Ablett won with 28 votes. Um, so, awkward. Uh, but, yeah, it's hard. I mean, I love Cripps as well, um, but not having the best season this year. I'm copping a bit of flack, actually, Cripsy. I think it's a bit um, bit harsh. Oh, mate, if you were in any of the Supercoach forums or listen to any of the Supercoach podcasts, he's fair copping his whack like <laughs> he's he'll be on and he's done it the last couple of weeks been on like 50 points at half time and all looking good and it's like yep he's back and then he ends up on 65 and 70 he went but absolutely you know missing against the bulldogs you know what he's been he's been carrying carlton for the last four years let's yeah, give him some sore. slack Mate, his shoulders are so sore and these new recruits coming in i've given him nothing oh have you, excuse have you me seen have, you seen, have you seen sam walsh <laughs> Sam, it's Sam Walsh's midfield now. If you if you have a look at his stats, he's having an all Australian year. He's have you completely, completely completely taken over. Oh, he'd be in the all Australian team at this point in time, I reckon, in the extended squad for sure. Oh, he's a, he's a, and he's a Geelong boy, isn't he? He is. So he'll come back to Geelong when he's about thirty six. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we'll get I, a, um, a season or two out of him. There's a there's a, a rumor going on at the moment, which I don't I don't know how much truth there is to it but uh, a one Elliot Yo from West Coast traded for Patrick Cripps at the end of the season is what's getting talked oh, wow. about at the moment which I'm not I'm not a fan I love Elliot Yo I don't want to see him go but geez I love Patty Cripps at West Coast that'd be awesome I thought you were going to say friendy there's a rumor going around that um Campbell Brown's changing his name to Macca so he doesn't have to be so awkward <laughs> in that Macca's ad your oh, favorite what ad what a debacle hey Guys, can you guys keep sending us some more Geelong players? Because at the moment, Jermaine Jones, he could be an All-Australian you know, Ford Pocket at the moment. Steady he on. Well, you, at the moment. <laughs> you got Nathan Vardy. Tim Nathan Kelly. Vardy won as a premiership. Tim Kelly is playing out of his skin at the moment. Mate, Nathan Vardy gave us nothing at Geelong. He's just injured all the time. <laughs> you, uh, you sent us Jeremy Cameron, really, so we're happy with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well played. Speaking of West Coast... There has been some controversy happening this week. And, Friendy, I think you, as the West Coast Eagles aficionado here, you, mu- you must be used to dealing with this kind of stuff now. So what's happened to, uh, to Big Willie today? And what are your thoughts? Yeah, there's been a few emotions going through my mind at the moment, Horse. There's a bit of anger, but I think some genuine sadness for uh, this guy's well-being. Um, so for those that haven't heard... A couple of days ago, Willie, Willie Rioli, we, we found out um, that he'd been caught. Uh, I'm not exactly well. I think he was going from Darwin to the Tiwi Islands, I think it was. And he was caught with some uh, cannabis on his possession, um, hidden away in one of his pockets. And 
he had to go to the Darwin courts and he went there today and, and what's happened is he's been fined 500 bucks and a 12 month good, good behavior uh, issue. But what it says is that he's, he's really let the club down again after obviously being caught a couple of years ago, um, changing the urine sample with some Gatorade. Um, and it's just, it's a <laughs> kick in the guts because, you know, he was going to be coming back to train, train with us uh, in july i believe and could play round 23 i think they had him penciled in for um look there's a lot going around at the moment they're saying that's it that's his dash done sack him get rid of him um i'm leaning to what the thing for me is i don't have his side of the events I i don't know what he's going through i don't know where his mental health is at and I think sometimes we're very quick to judge people, very quick to throw them off the cliff and say, you've had your chance. You know, you're an AFL player. You've been given this opportunity. I think I think he knows the opportunity he's been given. I think he knows what it means to be an AFL player and he's stuffed up and he knows he's stuffed up. So what's going on for him to keep doing this? He's obviously got an issue. So let's help him. Let's not just throw him off the cliff. So I hope, I hope, I don't know what West Coast going to do. Yes, the safe th- the safe thing is get rid of him. But I hope I hope we get him to the club, we get him the help, we get him around the boys again, because an AFL team will throw a lifeline at him for sure. So I don't know, I don't know what the right answer is, but I lean towards helping the bloke. Um, look, hopefully we can get his get his life back on track, regardless of footy. Put footy to the side. I think we just need to get him into a good place and into a healthy place. So all the best Hmm. to Willie Rioli. But unfortunately, horse is not the only Rioli that's been in trouble over this last week. No, no. Daniel copped a punch to the face. Uh, The nightclub on the weekend, Shy Bolton helped step in and broke his wrist. And after scoring 120 and 108 in my super coach team the last two weeks, Shy Bolton (laughs) will now be out. He's done. With a fracture for two to three mm. weeks is what they're initially saying, but then there's the buy coming up. So maybe that'll stretch to four weeks. So it's a real shame for a, an up and coming player like Bolton, who was really hitting his stride this season in the Richmond team with a, a bit more opportunity in the midfield. Richmond have come out. They have stood up for their players, you know, as, as they do and said, whilst they don't condone the behavior, they understand how it happened um, they would have preferred they walked away, but they were standing up for family and friends at the time. That, and the hard thing true. about these guys is they've got targets on their back. And he may mm-hmm. have just said, hey, back off, mate, rah, rah. And then all of a sudden, some guy wants to be a hero. And yeah. these guys, you know, and it's not fair. Like these guys, you know, might they're entitled to be there um, as long as they're not doing the wrong thing. But by the sounds of it, they weren't. They were just... Obviously, wrong spot, wrong moment. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you got to, as an AFL player, you've just got to be wise with that stuff and, and almost just stay away, at least during the season when you probably have a bigger target on your back. But if I could sit down with Daniel or with with Shy and, and just probably more Shy who broke his wrist and just sit down and go, mate, at any point, did you think about horses super coach team? Because mm. I just think. Like so that's what you're playing for. You're not playing mm. to win premierships. No, you're playing not. for horses super coach team. They've won those premiers. You're playing for top five. Top five super coach exactly. all time. Exactly. So and, uh, I'm glad you get that, o- Friendy. Yeah, I just think he owes you. He owes you more than an apology. Oh, like, yeah, so I'm sorry you have to go through that horse. It's really disappointing. Hey, I think we need to move on from the AFL now. I'm going to pass over to you, 40, and you've got some uh, NBA to talk with us. 
Yes, horse, thanks. I, well, we're coming almost to the end of the NBA regular season. And uh, this year we have a different format that you may have heard about. It's called the Playing Tawny. Um, there's is it, some. Can, is it Tawny or Turny? Turn, tor- oh, that's a good question. Uh, Fact check later for you, two, two horse. Tawny. It's tomato, tomato. Hey, okay? like, really, hey. it's. Whatever, uh, I think I think you're right. Where are Aussies? It's the yeah. tawny. The tawny, yeah. <laughs> um, so um, this new concept is where the bottom two teams, sorry, the bottom seven, eight, nine, and ten, uh, have to play off to finish in the seventh and eighth seed of each conference. And if we were to end the NBA season as it stands right now in the East Conference, we have Boston seventh, Charlotte eighth. Indiana 9th, Washington 10th. So the winner of Boston versus Charlotte would lock in 7th seed and then the loser would play the winner of Indiana and Washington in 9th and 10th and then they would lock in the 8th seed. Uh, Likewise in Utah Jazz, exactly the same. And we have Lakers currently, surprisingly as well, in 7th spot. Golden State on a surge in 8th. Uh, then we have Memphis 9th, Spurs 10th. So again, the winner of Lakers and Golden State would play, would lock in 7th seed. The loser would play off against Memphis, the winner of Memphis and Spurs to lock in 8th seed. Boys, what is our thoughts around this concept? As Le- LeBron suggested, the guy who came up with this should be fired. Are we in grants with the king or... Do we think this is something different that could spark some interest for maybe the bottom teams that sometimes are out of the equation and maybe it's something to fight for? Now, harden up, LeBron. I wouldn't normally say that, but harden up, LeBron. Um, I love this idea. I think it keeps – so it obviously keeps 10 teams interested, but it also keeps probably up to 12 or 13 teams interested for all of the season Um, rather than knowing your, your top eight pretty close to, to when he gets the final time. So I actually I actually like this idea. I think Lakers are going to be fine. I actually think Lakers are going to sneak into six because um, uh, Dallas. who's ahead of them? Port- Portland have the top three teams the next three games, and they're the ones that are just ahead of them. So I actually think Lakers are going to finish six, so they'll be fine. But we've no, got LeBron- Dallas actually just above them, Friendy. So we've got Portland in fifth, Dallas in six. Obviously, three or four games left in the season. So, Oh, there you go. Well, anyway, Portland's got the top three teams, so we might jump to fifth. Who knows? Hey, Very true. What, but what does that mean at the moment? I mean, we've just seen uh, Golden State in uh, back-to-back games take care of Utah and then Phoenix. So Exactly. Don't write off Portland. Write them off at your peril, friendy. I'm going to play uh, devil's advocate here just a little bit, and I'm going to agree a bit more with LeBron, the king, than you did, friendy. I think that... 72 games, if you still can't sort out who the top eight is, then it's uh, there's a bit of a money grab here. I think that there was a reason in the interrupted season that was last season to do it. But I can certainly understand that up until last year, uh, whoever ended up seventh and eighth, you're in the playoffs. And that was just how it is. And if we keep lowering the bar and stretching it out for money, then I think think that the players are well within their rights if they are seventh and they've got like 10 extra wins over whoever falls in ninth or 10th and they're still playing and fighting for a final playoff spot with them I can see why you'd be a little ticked off yeah but also I agree that the top eight you generally know who it is 
But you, you're talking about like potentially teams 11 through to 16 kind of given up with 20 games to go. And that's and you know that that happens. They start to tank and it's obvious that they do it. Whereas all of a sudden you do this and you're only really got two or three teams that are tanking instead of five or six. That's where I think it's helpful. Yes, it's a money grabber as well, but I think it does keep more teams interested. And look, one day there's going to be a 10th seed that's going to get to the, the maybe conference finals, which would be an amazing oh, feat. I highly doubt that. I don't think that that's possible. I'd, I, you think it also maybe gives some excitement for the seventh and eighth seed, where generally it's like one and they feel like they're just making up the numbers, yeah, playing yeah. off one and two teams where they're, it's such a, you know, they've got the home court advantage. Uh, they're clearly well above uh, those teams. I mean, in the past, in the East Conference, the difference between the top four or five teams and, and the below teams has just been a huge gap. Is it maybe just creating some excitement before we see those seventh and eighth seeds getting smashed by the top two seeds? Well, I suppose on that note, we should be handing out participation awards to everyone as well. And um, <laughs> and why don't we just, at the end of the season, s- scrap any of the results that we've had and we could just make it a knockout tournament from the get-go. Just Imagine one, that. Just 1v16 either side, either conference. Until there was two teams left. Totally. Yeah. I, th- I think um, putting my thoughts, I'm kind of like, I don't mind the idea, the concept. I just think maybe in this shortened, condensed season, is it with the right time to bring it in? When we've had some of the top teams like Boston, Miami, Lakers, Denver have played who had essentially a, a couple of months off before the next season. They've had injuries. Uh, their teams are managing their lists and not having their best team often on the court regularly. And so they're resting players. And then all of a sudden, because of that, they're having, they've lost a few games and then all of a sudden they're in contention. Oh no, we don't want to fall below six spot. Cause then we'll be in, have to be playing in this tournament we could potentially drop out of the playoffs so for me i'm like i don't i don't mind the concept i agree with you uh friendy i I think it's a great concept but was this the right season to implement it oh i think i think it's purely like what horse is alluding to a money grabber like you're going to get a few extra games more money they already dropped the season by 10 games I think they're just trying to get as much money as they can. But I think it is here to stay. So I think we'll have to get used to it. Mm, time will tell. Yeah, well, I can see a backflip when it goes back to 82 games. Because if you're putting another 10 games each on the schedule and then asking them to sort out 9, 10, yeah, 7, that's 8. That's a big ask. That is a big ask. And it, and it extends the season longer and it makes the break in the middle shorter for those teams that have been playing since the 9, 10, 7, 8 play-in tournament prior to the playoffs. Anyway, only time will tell in regards to that. Um, one final Absolutely. thought, Forty, before I'll let you move on. Obviously, yep. if the Bulls were still in contention, I might be a little more generous about my thoughts. Now the truth <laughs> comes out. Now the truth comes out. Well, I've said this to another avid Bulls uh, fan, um, Horse, who is a keen follower of the common man. I don't think you're that far away. I think you've got a great uh, trade in Vucevic. Um, hopefully, Levine stays for you. They have time to build some chemistry. And you've got some couple of good young players uh, in 
Kobe White and Patrick Williams. I think there's some really good potential to develop your team. You just need another uh, sort of small forward, power forward sort of key player, I think, just hey. to pop you guys up. Laurie Markin, I'm sorry, I think it's time to move on from oh, him. But yes, um, I agree. I don't think you're that far away, to be honest, Horse. You see, we've seen how far Knicks have jumped up with just seeing the um, advancement of Julius Randle. If we could see something like that, the Bulls, I think you'd be back up there. Mm. Um, boys, um, before we move on uh, from NBA talk, I thought it'd be, it would be, it, we wouldn't be doing justice without mentioning Russell Westbrook broke the. Oh, come on. Get around him. Triple double record. Mr. Triple double himself. Uh, and uh, he, he finished it. He broke the record with this game 28 points, 21 assists, 13 rebounds. He's currently averaging this year a triple double, 22 points, 11.6 rebounds, 11.5 assists. Um, he averaged previous to that three triple double seasons in a row from 2016. 17 to 2018, 19 as an OKC member. Um, he, you have to you have to respect greatness in this uh, regards, boys. What are your um, what what are your initial feelings when you hear of this news? I, I love him. I absolutely love Russell Westbrook. And what I love about him the most is he just is himself all the time. Now, what what he brings to the game, it doesn't win championships. No. It's clear. Otherwise, he would have won one by now. But for him, he just loves playing the game. He, he, he's probably aware that he's probably not going to win one unless he gets old and ends up being a, a vet min on a, on a good team. But I think he's, he's great for the game. And I think, congratulations, he's going to go down in history as the all-time um, triple-double leader and maybe, maybe will never get beaten because the last one stood for 40 years. Correct. I mean, he certainly is himself when he uh, comes to his fashion too, isn't it, Friendy? Certainly Absolutely. leads the way. Absolutely, I feel that's what Friendy respects the most about him. He's uh, not afraid to put it all out there as he's striding in to an <laughs> arena on any given night. Look, you, yeah, you can say all you want about the stat padding and the big forwards and centers protecting him to get his rebounds up and everything else. But at the end of the day, he's been able to do it on uh, multiple teams, multiple times. My goodness, that... Uh, that 20 rebound, 20 assist game the other week, that's ridiculous. Mm. You know, you don't just get those stats purely because others are helping you out. Like the talent yep. is there for sure. Totally. Hey, friendy, I'm going to throw to you for some Olympics talk before we wrap up this month in sport. What can you tell us? Look, the only thing I have for the Olympics at the moment is a uh, very uh, in, intriguing thing came out during the week with Liz Cambridge, a, I think I've said her name right. Cambridge. I, I love that you um, lower your voice too, Friendy. Liz, you well, I'll talk about this. this. is like secret. Like, I, I just... Well, don't you know. Don't you know, If you say it properly <laughs> and you say it wrong, less chance of people picking up. Correct. Yeah, how, do you say, yeah, how do you say the name again, Friendly? Liz Cambridge. Liz so, uh, there was a photo that went out of um, oh, 10 or 12 um, elite Australian Olympians that are going to compete at Tokyo. Um, and Liz wasn't too happy about it because she didn't feel like there was um, a diverse group picked for this. And uh, she certainly took to social media and, and made her frustrations known. And um, uh, pretty much what she said was, 
how can I uh, represent a country? And actually, I've got the quote here. How am I meant to represent a country that doesn't represent me? Hashtag whitewashed Australia. Um, so what she's referring to is everyone in the photo um, were all uh, white Australians. And then uh, she goes on to say, until I see you doing more at Oz Olympics Instagram, I'm going to sit this one out. Now, very, very quickly after this, maybe 24 hours later, two days later, she's backflipped and gone, you know, how could I not represent Australia? I'm in, I'm, I'm going to play. And um, there's been some some big names come at her and, and kind of question where she was going. And, and none other than friend of this show, Andrew Bogart, came out swinging mm. Um, mm. on his pot on his podcast and um, uh, you know, he's, he's pretty much, you know, said, you know, what, what are we doing? Why are we counting to see how many are in there? Like, why are we even thinking this way? He, he then went on to mention that, you know, people like Ben Simmons and Patty Mills um, who are incredible Australian athletes um, and herself, Liz would have, would have probably been asked if they were in the country, but they weren't in the country. And, and so, you know, we've got to get more context to what's happened but it certainly caused the stir i don't know what you boys have thought seeing uh, any of this stuff any any comments on that oh, i think liz is out of line to be honest i, I love her passion but again it's a knee-jerk reaction not understanding the context exactly you said ben simmons patty mills liz would be in this photo shoot and uh logistics have prevented that from happening now for Liz to say something like that and then 24 hours backflip, she knows she said the wrong thing. And yeah, yeah she might in the media start going, oh, you know, I'll wear my heart and sleeve. I'll say what I'm thinking and think she's being all heroic uh, around that. But she knows she probably was uh, said, probably didn't think yeah. before she spoke in this particular case. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. I don't have much more to add. Uh, yep. Someone who backflips so quickly, I think maybe they thought, mm, I might have actually overstepped the mark this time. I think we're all on agreement on that. And just checking my Olympic notes here, horse. Uh, that's it. <laughs> Thank you, Friendy. Uh, are are you back. excited about the Olympics? Friendy, you're excited? <laughs> don't ask him oh, a question on the spot. He's mate, not prepared mate, for this. It's not in his notes. <laughs> I won't believe it till I see the Olympics. I mean, Once the Japanese start, aren't I'm... excited. The Japanese are, are campaigning for it to be... Stay away. Get out. Yep. We don't want you. Jeez. They're going to do a ScoMo. They're going to lock the borders. <laughs> anyway, we'll wait and see. On that note, let's wrap up another month or week in sport. From his early years, Nicholas was a sports fan who liked to write. Whenever there was a major sporting event, Nick would pen his thoughts on the occasion in his trusty diary. Decades later, these diaries have been uncovered and the world now gets to hear the thoughts of a young sports prodigy. This is 40's Diary. Well, 40, this is exciting. Since uh, last episode, the response was overwhelming. Sorry, friendy, I did like the unfriend button, but it is Diary of a Ford. It, it'll be back. It'll be back. It, oh, good. Yeah, I'm sure it will be back. So, forty. It's again. Yes, it's a, a, this is a chance for you to read a page out of your diary from when you were a youngster. What mm. What is the date of this diary entry we're about to hear? Well, I was 11 years old, horse, and uh, this particular day was June 6, 1993. 
It was a great day. Excellent. Would you like me to share with you all? I would love you to do that. Okay. Dear Diary, I think I'm in love with a cricketer. He's big, blonde, and he does something I've never seen before. Rips the ball 90 degrees. Growing up, leg spinners were the most boring bowlers in the game. The only other one I know is Peter Sleep and literally did that. He put me to sleep one Sunday afternoon watching the tally on the couch. This guy, Warney, is the exact opposite. Keeps me awake when I should be sleeping. Last night, he bowled Mike Gatting with a ball. They're already calling the ball of the century. The year 2000 seems so far away, but I honestly can't see there being one better in the next seven years. I've been reading about Warney in the paper today. And I think we're a lot alike, both good junior footballers and, and we love baked beans. I've never smoked a cigarette, but if Warney thinks they're good, they must be. And that Nike earring, well, I think I want one. As the saying goes, just do it. I think I'll start as soon as I'm old enough. Anyways, back to watching the TV. I wonder if in years to come, I'll look back at this day and say, this was the dawn of the golden age of Australian cricket. Greetings and salutations. Smell you later, Diary. 40. Wow. <laughs> Lot to unpack there. Friendy, where do we start? I just want to know, as an 11-year-old, like, there's a little genius in you there, Ford. What happened since then? Well, well, yeah, what, what are you insinuating? I, I, I would like to know. I would like to hear a, a 39-year-old Ford's diary and just see how it compares. <laughs> Well, we've all we've all seen that in Crosscode Combat. We've seen that I've dominated you every single time. Oh, Ooh. that's actually well played, well played, well <laughs> nicely played. played. That was a that was a significant date. We all remember the ball of the century. Um, oh, Friendy, I'm not sure if you were born then, but Forty and I certainly remember the ball of the mm. century. Yeah, on a Wednesday I think you night. were in the uh, in your diapers. I think at that I, time. I'll tell you what. Time. I am looking forward to the 1998 uh, diary entry of the Michael Jordan the shot. I'm sure that'll come out at some point, and I'm sure it probably will. It'll be interesting if we can compare, like a 16 year old 40, yeah, what his writing's like compared to an 11 year old, 12 year old 40. Anyway, mm. we'll wait and see. Time thanks will for tell, sure. won't it? Thanks for sharing. We'll to, no, no problems. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned, uh, reflecting back on my younger years at 11 years, I was thinking about taking up, uh, smoking, I'm glad I had some more sense than that horse. To be fair for it. We didn't know the health concerns of darts back then. Like everyone was darting, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is true. That is true. Friend. You make We're it sound like the sixties. Exactly. <laughs> Yes, I enjoy a nice camel cigarette after dinner every night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks for that, 40. We will no uh, hear another entry very soon. Chuck another shrimp on the barbie, mate. It's time for the grill. Oh, yeah. And now it is time to return to the grill what have we got on the grill today, Friendy? What meat are we cooking away? I think you need to decide because I keep just saying the same ones every time. Oh, let's go. Let's, let's be friendly to the vegans. Let's get some faking on there. <laughs> some fake. <laughs> what? Some oh. faking. Oh. 
And and what else are you gonna? Nah, look, let's put with this fake. We're put, we're putting some eye fillet steaks on there today, horse. Let's get the eye fillets going. Oh yeah, here we go. Rare, Me- medium rare. Yeah, medium. Medium rare. rare. Three minutes either side. We've, it's got to be a short one. Otherwise, yeah. we'll have some very well done. <laughs> Just a bit of salt. Salt. That's it. No yeah, olive nice oil and salt. With it. Bit of pepper, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe well, maybe a mushroom sauce or a garlic butter mushroom. on the side. Yep. Peppercorn. Yep. Yep. Lots of options. <laughs> and a big baked spud. Okay. Enough enough of the food. Friendy, you've I'm drawing. You've got the first question for us tonight. What are we going to talk about while uh, we're searing our steaks? Yeah, fellas. Uh, this is what I've been thinking. You know, sometimes when I sit out the back and you know, I just look out my view and in my backyard, I, I sometimes think about some random questions like this. And this one I've been thinking about a lot over this past week. And the question I have for you boys today is, if you could pluck one athlete from any sport, from any era, and put him into that sport in today's game, um, who would it be and why? And while you guys are thinking about that, I'll, I'll kick things off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with NBA. I've been watching a little bit of Wilt Chamberlain over the past little, you know, there's some clips being cut up on Instagram, like showing how super fast he was. He could jump out of the, you know, he just dominated his era. And people often underestimate how good he was because he just dominated. Like he's, he scored 100 points in the game. I would love to see him in today's game going up against guys like Anthony Davis and, and Joe Kitch and, and people like that to see how he would compete. I, I think he would go okay, but we would never know unless this could happen. Mm. So for me, I would love to see Will Chamberlain go up against today's players with their athleticism because I think he had the athleticism, athleticism to compete, but I'd love to know if he would, just, if he would be as dominant as he was back then. Yeah, great call. I'd love to see him playing on the same team as Russell Westbrook and then sorting out who gets to get the rebounds to pad their stats <laughs> even more. But uh, yeah, Russell would yeah, jump on yeah. uh, Wilt's back, I reckon. He'd, he uh, would. He just he would take it. He'd ride him like a bucking bronco. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> Wilt, of Wilt Chamberlain's other stats. <laughs> well, it's true. And look, Wilt didn't have a three-point shot because there was no need for it back then. So that might be his... his, his would, um, would Wilt be like a... A better Andre Drummond, potentially. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that not only did he not have a need for a three-point shot, the three-point shot didn't exist because there was no yeah, three, three-point yeah. line. So that's right, <laughs> exactly. Even if he had one, he couldn't use it. He was never getting three no. points for it. But you can only play cool. in the rules it's, it's, that's been given. Yes, and it's kind of like uh, the Rocky Balboa six, where uh, he came back to fight the world champion and beat him, or came a draw or something. Mm, or nah, just mm, lost. I can't remember whatever what it, was. it was. But um, like I just think it would be cool to see someone who dominated so clearly in his era to come and play against today's players and just put all that chat to rest when people try and compare different eras. You know, they say that Jordan would drop 50 points a game in today's era. Well, let's pluck him out and put him in there and see what happens. Like, well, and you know what? I reckon he would score 60 without the hand checking, without (laughs) the physicality. I think, and Larry Bird, you know, Larry Larry would was just dominating the three pointers back then. Now, uh, but exactly different era, different set of rules, different set of um, competing. So, Hey, anyway, I'll, that's a good thought, friend. I'll, I'll like throw that. a few out there. Can I throw? Yeah, um, go for it. Look, I'd like to. I'd like to see someone who like created a sport, um, 
in history now currently being thrown back in and trying to play it. What about like Tom Wills, one of the founders of AFL, being thrown in the modern game and trying to work out what the heck has happened to the game he created 150 years ago? True. No, nah, mate, you're not allowed yeah, in the square. True. No. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You got 15 seconds to AFL is a brand new sport every year. That's how many rules that gets changed every year. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you got a few more horse? Oh, look, just the obvious one then from AFL would actually and it's only been like 20, 25 years since he retired. But Gary Senior in today's game mm. as well. Throw him in. Let's see how he goes. Yep. Just, Imagine just him Gary, and Tomahawk. Just oh. on Gary Senior. Gary Senior would dominate today's game. Like, like I think he's a clear one that you look at the way he played. Yeah, he would dominate he's today's got game. All the attributes, doesn't he? Yep, hundred percent. Way ahead of his mm. time. Totally. I'm, I'm going to go a little bit left field, um, fellas. And um, I was thinking, imagine, imagine the queen of the pool, Dawn Fraser. Imagine Dawn-y. her swimming in uh, the Japanese Tokyo. Olympics this year. Oh yes! Uh, I tell you what, um, oh. she dominated the era that she was in. I think uh, without all the science and all the different things that they have, they are allowed to swim with now. I think she would, hey. she would be a domination. Imagine Do her you- re- returning to Tokyo to get that flag a second time. <laughs> I'm the flagpole. Trying totally. to get that flag. Um, another one would be Muhammad Ali. I wonder what he yep. would like now. I mean, obviously he was incredible back in his era, but how would that look in terms of boxing in today's sport? Because I don't know, like, I mean, I'm not an expert when it comes in terms of that particular sport of boxing, but I would suggest not heaps has changed, maybe. Um, look, I'm speaking from an undereducated uh, perspective here, but I don't think there's been as much changes in that sport as you would see, for example, AFL, basketball. Um, boys, what do you think? How do you think Muhammad Ali would be feeling about uh, all these social media personalities making mm. heaps of money off boxing? Like Jake oh, Paul imagine him. versus... versus uh, who's imagine his personality. Mayweather. Like, yeah, like the personality of Muhammad... In these times, that's true, friendly. I like that. Oh. He would uh, certainly be more out there. So. Indeed. Hey, I've got another question for us. I'm going to throw it out it there. The... This one is really, it's not a big thinking question and you can have as many responses as you want, but we are in the middle of Friday night footy season and there's nothing better than uh, kicking back on the couch, putting the TV on, having a game of football on the screen, the fire they're roaring away and just chowing down on something. So I'm putting it out there. What is your favorite Friday night snack? It could be a meal to accompany the footy. Just, you know, there's plenty of options there. What is your go-to on a Friday night as you sit down and watch the footy? This is an easy one for me, actually, horse. And I'm happy to throw some other suggestions out there. But Mm. for me, it's pork dumplings. Ooh. Pork dumplings and footy. Shout out to High Street Dumplings. Like they are, they are the best in town. Love them. But pork dumplings and um, there's nothing better, is there? There's no oh, other dumpling that competes with a pork dumpling. Come oh, on, love it. And then and then and then it's followed by a packet of Snickers pods. Oh, nice. 
Nice. Okay. So, and it, it depends on what I'm feeling. Like generally, generally I wash it down with some soda water, just some simple soda water with maybe a little bit of lime, a bit of lemon. Um, and then I might move on to the, uh, the beer or the, the wine. Um, yep. But that's, that's the, that's the food. That's the choice of food. I love dumplings. There's no, you can have, I could have dumplings every night. They're fantastic. It's quite- that's quite an evening there uh, planned out there oh, for any. Yeah, like light a candle and um, off we go. <laughs> Just by yourself. No one else in the room. Don't even turn the TV on. <laughs> to be fair, when West Coast are playing, I actually, I love being in the zone by myself. I don't know if you mm. guys enjoy that, but I love it. So yeah, by myself yep. would be would be fine. Well, sometimes I'm, uh, when I'm by myself, I'm, frenetically texting horse back and forth <laughs> about what's happening in the game. So I don't, I don't mind that being able to watch it with someone else because then I don't have to be, because if I am watching texting with someone flat else, out, I'm yeah. not texting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If I'm not, if I'm texting, it means I'm by myself. So I'm like, oh, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Do you, what, do you eat anything though? What are you eating? What are you noshing on? Myself, um, yeah, you're not Friday night. <laughs> noshing on yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm into cannibalism. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I look, um, I, I love it, just a classic. I'm, I'm a bit of a classic guy, you know. Yeah, uh, pizza. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah, good, good, dirty Coke. Um, yeah, Coca Cola horse, just to clarify, for right? Me. Okay, yep. Um, and um, what kind of pizza for? Oh, look, actually, my classic go-to is half meatball pizza, half supreme. Um, so I've got a bit of veggies, but then I've also got, I'm lashing out with a little bit, you know, meatball, cheese, meat, beautiful, can't go past it. And a bit of dessert. I love just, I don't know, just again, a bit of ice cream with some chocolate. Yes. Oh, yes. Nothing better. Nothing sweeter. That's me. Bust out the halftime ice creams. At the game, mm. it's a jam donut, but when it's at home, I'm getting myself, I'm going to the freezer and I'm getting out a connoisseur or a Magnum, whatever's been Come half on. priced that week. Thank you very much. Yeah. Absolutely. Jump on board. Always, always looking for the bargain. Yeah, oh, of course. And, you know, like I'm also on that pizza bandwagon. That's so easy. The other thing I don't mind is just having a cheeky kebab, smashing mm. down a kebab meal with a Coke as the footy's starting away. Oh, nothing. Better. Horsey, you, you don't mind. Sweeter. You don't mind a bit of it. You don't mind. Yeah, nothing better. Nothing sweeter, isn't it? Mm. Thanks, uh, uh, Michael Voss. And, um... <laughs> Uh, you, you wouldn't mind a, a cheeky cooker, would you, too? Oh, yes. Yeah. Back in the day. The a old, cooker? The old cooker. You know what a cooker is, Freddy? A jam cooker. Chock jam. Couldn't tell you, boys. It's a biscuit. It's the biscuit of champions. Oh, is that it the is. biscuit with like a little bit of jam in the middle? Yes. yes. Now, you, now, you're talking. now you're talking. Homemade, homestyle biscuits. Maybe even a farmer's union. If it wasn't no, too late. See, see, I think we all agree. You can't eat healthy while you're watching the footy. It's no. just, it's no, un-Australian. I'm, I'm not having oh, hummus and carrot sticks. No. Oh, that said, no. I did have hummus last week, but I also had the ice cream, the cheesecake, the chocolate, yeah, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, now I'm, I'm, I'm a little hungry. I don't know about you guys. But I'm, <laughs> yeah, I think oh, after I'm we wrap up. After this. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm drooling <laughs> as we speak. Oh, and wouldn't you know it? Our steaks are ready as well. Oh. Well, we'll catch you next time on The Grill. Wow, we. I can't believe it. We're at the end of another episode. Time again has flown as we've uh, really hit the hard topics. So it's we're at this wrap-up occasion where I tell you to please add us on your socials, uh, all our 
social media details, our emails, etc., are there in the show notes. So please, we'd love you to uh, to get on board. We'd love you to chat with us and actually send some posts. Mm. We are really slide, slide us a DM, Paul. Slide yeah, us a DM. We are thirsty for those DMs. We are desperados. <laughs> So please, we just want some interaction from someone else outside the three of us, please. Um, before we go, though, we mentioned this, the uh, the other episode as well. We've got a new Common Man podcast that will be hitting the airway soon. Now, I'm very excited, guys. It's our interview series. And what do we think is that what's the purpose behind this interview series? It's going to stand aside from our regular uh, episodes. And what are we going to do, mm. 40? Well, we're gonna we're gonna just delve into the athlete's mind. Come on! Now it's good to chat with the common men. It's good to just you know just the good old fashioned you know guy on the street. Just what's going on? But we're gonna get in. We've got a, a plethora, don't we, friendy, of uh, different athletes that we have contact with, and uh, we're just gonna interview them. Just talk, uh, real talk. Uh, get to know how they tick. And we're excited to uh, launch this very soon. We are. Absolutely. And I'm very excited for our first guest. So stay tuned. So within the next week or so, you will be hearing from our first Common Man interview. It's exciting, guys. We're all excited. We're all hungry. Oh, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) I get a pizza. (laughs) Yep. I'm going to go hit the fridge now. Uh, Before we go, Forty, just tell us what have you been watching? What's happening in reality TV? Well, not much at the moment, but I'm excited for Celebrity Apprentice. I'll tell you what, that looks oh, something exciting Lord. to watch. i tell you what, I'm not much of a MasterChef person or, you know, a Lego master. Okay, and on that what, note, uh, it's uh, time to wrap it up. We will catch you again uh, soon. Thanks for joining us. We are uh, the common men. Shout out to David from Survivor. <laughs> <laughs>